this weekend, we're in, we're in a series, we've been in a series uh, on the book of Proverbs. And the fact is, that's just the name of this series. It's called Proverbs, or, or Wisdom from Proverbs. And so I'm going to have you, if you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, I'm going to have you turn to Proverbs chapter 21, even though we're going to look at a lot of Proverbs this weekend. As we look at, we look at, the, we look at, at, at your words, the power of your words, that if you, if you look at your words, you realize that words have a, have a, have a lot of power. Um, as soon as I can remember my passwords, there we go. Passwords have a lot of power too. <clears throat> you know what? In the back, if you guys could turn me down just a little bit in this monitor, that'd be helpful. Uh, it seems like I'm screaming at myself. Thank you. So this weekend, uh, we're looking at the power of your words. And so as kids, and maybe you've said it a lot, uh, we'd say things like sticks or stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. And usually we said that after someone hurt us deeply. Usually we said that after someone hurt us with, with their words or they said something to us. And so, so you know and I know that words are just like powerful in your life, a, a few weeks ago that Karen and I, after a long week, and we we're both really exhausted, Karen had worked a lot of hours, and I'd worked a lot of hours, and, and we're driving up to Colorado Springs to see the grandkids and, and their parents if they happen to be home, and uh, <laughs> you know that if you're a grandparent, right, you're going to see the grandkids, and everything else is kind of gravy, but we're going to see the grandkids, and so Karen and I are in the car, and we're, we're on I-25, and we're headed up to the Springs, and we're talking about seeing the grandkids. All of a sudden, Karen looked over at me and, and said, she says, I'm tired of you. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm like, what? And so I look at her, and I said, what? And she said, she said, Charlie, I said, I'm tired, aren't you? And I'm like, oh, 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 that's different. That's different. And so one word, one word can change everything, right? I mean, there's power in a word, and we live in an age, and we live in a culture in which lies and deceit are common stuff of movies and books and talk shows and news reports and politics. And as, as, as a believer, sometimes this issue is just the pursuit of honesty and truth seems like a, like a lonely endeavor. And so the writer of Proverbs has a lot to say about this issue of your words and just the power of your words and the consequences of your words. Proverbs 21, 23 says this. He says, those who guard their mouths. In other words, this is something that you and I have to do. This is something that we have to take responsibility to. This is something that, that we have to take action. It says, those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity, keep themselves from trouble, keep themselves from negative consequences in life. In other words, what the writer of Proverbs says over and over and over that your words have the power either to hurt or to heal. Your, your words have great consequences in life. They have, great, uh, they have tr tremendous power in life. I mean, do you, do you, remember, do you remember the first time that you, were, that you were betrayed or that you were lied to? The first time that someone may have broken your confidence or, or your trust and they betrayed you. Or the first time that someone twisted some truth about you and it hurt you deeply. And I, I'm willing to bet that you remember those experiences with just like a vivid memory, like, like, like every detail you can remember. And when those things happen, when someone hurts you with their words and they betrayed you, they lied about you, they twisted truth about you, didn't it kind of make you just want to kind of withdraw from the human race and just try to protect yourself? 
And in case you're wondering this morning, God wholeheartedly agrees with this issue of speaking the truth. I mean, fact is, it made it in the top ten. It made it in the Ten Commandments. And, and God said that we should not give false testimony about, about your neighbor, about your brother. I mean, we could, we could stop gossip in our community if we would just look at people and say, just wait a minute. I don't, I don't know that I need to, I don't know that, that I need to hear that. I mean, do you, do you know that for a fact? Did you, did you see that for yourself? Did you actually hear that for yourself? I mean, I just don't know that I, maybe you need to go back to that person and work it out with them. In other words, what scripture tells us over and over that we don't distort the truth, that we don't lie, that we speak the truth in love. Proverbs 10, 31 says this, the mouth of the godly person gives wise advice, but the tongue that deceives, the tongue that deceives will be, will be cut off. In other words, this, the person that's dishonest, the person that deceives before long that whatever they say has no weight. Whatever they says has really no meaning because nobody believes them, nobody trusts them. And what he's saying is this, that that person no longer has influence in life. And so what the writer of Proverbs says is this issue of dishonesty is just bad stuff. And, and the writer of Proverbs goes on and says, and we need to be willing to try to get rid of dishonesty and lies and deceit at whatever it costs in our life. And so there's three questions I want to ask you this morning. If we're going to guard our hearts, these are, these are questions that I've had for a number of years and that I've used in my personal life, that if we're going to guard our hearts, if we're going to protect our hearts, if we're going to, if we're going to use words that heal instead of words that hurt, then we need to be willing to ask ourselves three questions about our words. The first one is this, are my words a hazard? In other words, your words can either be a hazard or they can be healing. They can either be hurtful or they can be helpful. And so we have to come to that place where we ask ourselves, the words that I use, the tone and all of those other things, are they a hazard? Proverbs 18.21 says this, a tongue can bring death or life. In other words, the words that we say have great power in our life and great power in our relationships. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. In other words, what he's trying to help us understand that your words have consequences. We, we've watched it over and over in society, right? We've watched newscasters that, man, they, they say one word. They tell one story, and they lose their career. They lose their reputation. They lose their job. I, right now, I could say six words about the president of the United States of America, and I'd probably end up in jail. You, you can tell a story. You can tell a story that hurts someone's reputation, that ruins someone's reputation, and you can hurt them deeply. One, one negative word from childhood or the lack thereof can scar a child for a lifetime. Brett Favre, the Hall of Fame quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, and um, they kind of made amends after he left the Packers and went to the Jets and went to the, um, the Vikings. And so they've kind of made amends there at Green Bay, and they're about ready to induct him in and give him some honors and all of that other stuff. And so ESPN is doing an interview with Brett Favre. And so Brett Favre, all of a sudden in the interview, begins, turns the interview, takes the interview a different direction that the reporter did not intend the conversation to go. And so they were talking about all the, reward, all the awards and, and everything that, that, that Brett had gotten over his Hall of Fame career. And all of a sudden, Brett says, you know what? He says, ever since a little boy, I was, just, I, was just, I was just gifted with sports and athletics, and it just came so natural to me. 
And since a very little boy, I've won all kinds of awards and all kinds of accolades and all kinds of trophies. And in the NFL, the very best trophies you could get from a Hall of Fame career and for a Super Bowl win and MVP and all of those other things. And then all of a sudden, Brett Favre, his voice began to trail off and he got real emotional. And he goes, you know what? I'd give all of that up. I'd give up all the awards. I'd give up all of the trophies. I'd give up all the accolades. I'd give up everything. If, when my dad was living, I could have just heard him say, I'm proud of you, son. I never got to hear my dad. I never got to hear my dad say, I'm proud of you. And I never got to hear my dad say, I love you, son. Words. Words can be powerful in our life. Man, are your words, the words that you use, the words that I use, are they a hazard? Because words can bring death and life to a relationship. And so, so you, you look at this issue of words and dishonesty and lying and deceit can even hurt our relationship, hurt our fellowship with God. Proverbs 12.22 says, The Lord detests lying lips. Now listen, let me just stop right there. Let me just tell you something. Very seldom in Scripture does God speak so strongly about a sin as he does the sin of lying. I mean, when you say this, when you see this, it says, the Lord detests lying lips. In other words, it just makes him sick. It just turns his stomach. It just, it's, just, it's just difficult. And then he goes on, but he says, but, but God delights. God delights in those who tell the truth. In other words, God, de he detests these lying lips and, and because it's hard for him. I'm not talking about the relationship, but I'm talking about fellowship. It's hard for him to maintain fellowship with someone who isn't honest. And I, and I think the other reason for that is this, is because God hates lying lips because of the second consequence, because it hurts his children so deeply, because it scars them. In other words, it's, it's a hazard to people. It's hurtful to people. Proverbs 15.4 says this, Gentle words are a tree of life, and a deceitful tongue like crushes the spirit. Have you ever had your spirit crushed because someone lied to you or someone was dishonest or someone betrayed you? I mean, I mean when, when you look at this, you realize how, how, could, how could God delight in someone that's hurting people and the consequence? I mean, every week at church, I meet people who either uh, stop me in the foyer or stop me in the halls or in the pastor reception line or, what, or email me, call me, whatever. And they tell me things like, man, I, I, I was hurt so deeply this last week by twisted truth or, or dishonesty or deceit or, or lying. I mean, he promised. Man, he promised to be faithful. She, pro she promised. She promised to be faithful. My, my dad, man, my, my dad promised. My, my mom, my mom promised. My child my child lied to us. My child deceived us. My child betrayed us. Someone in authority, whether, the, whether it was a boss or a coach or whoever, man, they, they misled me. And so over and over and over in Proverbs, Proverbs talks about this issue of our words and the power of our words, that we need to be honest. Proverbs 15, 28 says, the heart of the godly thinks careful, carefully before speaking. The mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. And so Proverbs is saying, Proverbs is saying this, that you know what? We need to learn to, we need to, learn to guard our mouths. 
And we need to learn to think before we speak. We need to ask ourselves, are, are my words a hazard? Are they helpful? Are they for the building up of others? In other words, our words, and you know this, our words have the ability just to set off a, a chain reaction. What James says, it can set off a chain reaction that we cannot stop. In other words, in other words this. In other words, we need to come to the place to where we think before we speak to where we give God a chance to intercede and maybe even to change our words. You see, there's always an action and a reaction. And what I'm learning in life is this, the longer the space between the action and my reaction or the action and your words, the greater chance God has to intercede and speak into your life and maybe, maybe tone down your words or change your words. Uh, maybe maybe you have some time to life journal. Maybe you have some time to to read some scripture. Maybe you have time to pray about what you're gonna what you're gonna say and how you're gonna respond. But there's always this space in life between the action and the reaction. And so that's why James talks in the book of James that that we're quick to hear, but guess what? The, the, we're, we're slow to speak. We're slow to respond. Because when you look at this issue of words, you realize that the people have have died for saying the wrong things. People, people have gotten fired and lost careers for saying the wrong things. People have gotten a divorce for, for saying the wrong things. And people have ended friendships and relationships that have been built over years for saying the wrong things. And, and our words have great power in life. Now listen, in marriage, uh, Karen and I have, have, have made, a, made a lot of, lot of mistakes. Uh, but, but the one thing that, that we've done right is that when we started life out together as husband and wife, we, we just made a commitment. And we said, you know what, we're, we're never going to use the word divorce. We're never going to use the word divorce, and we're never going to use the word to, like, power up in the conversation. We're never going to use that word divorce as, as, as a threat or anything like that. And so, we, so in our marriage, and we've been married over, well over 30 years, and we have never used the word divorce as a threat against the other. And so we've done a lot wrong, but one thing we've never done is that we've never used the word divorce. The word murder has <laughs> come up several times. <laughs> never the word divorce. <laughs> Proverbs 21, 25 says this. It says, don't trap yourself by making a rash promise to God and only later counting the cost. In other words, this issue with your tongue, this issue with your mouth, is, is this, don't enter into commitments lightly. Don't enter into commitment, commitments without, like, counting the cost, without understanding the commitment that you're making. I mean, there's some people, right, they don't want to disappoint anyone, so they'll just say yes to everything, and they make so many commitments that they never can follow through with those commitments. And so what, what the writer of Proverbs is trying to help us understand is that there's some people that make commitments, but they never follow through with them. And that we come to the place to where we understand the commitment. We understand that, guess what? The commitment that I'm making. That's why Jesus said, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. And sometimes people will say in our society, in our culture is this. And sometimes people say, you know what? Talk is cheap. But the Bible says just the opposite. The Bible says that if you're a man or a woman of integrity, where your yes is yes and your no is no, guess what? Talk is never cheap. Because you'll always do what you'll say. 
You always follow through with your commitments because you're a man or a woman of great integrity. In other words, this issue of you think before you make a commitment, you think before you speak because what you say has great power in your life. It has great consequences. Uh, what you say can, in your relationship can make you happy or sad. It can make you rich or poor. It can, it can make you married or divorced. It can make you friends or enemies. It can make you hired or fired. There's an acrostic of think because this issue of think before you speak is just so important to me that you process out through your words before you say some things or before you make a commitment. And so the acrostic of think is just the easiest way for, for me to remember this, that before, before I speak the word think is the first thing I, I think about is, <clears throat> excuse me, is it true? The T is true. Is, is it true? Is what I'm going to say true? Is it true? The, the H is this. Is it helpful? I mean, is it really helpful what I'm about ready to say? I mean, do I really need to say this? And the I is inspiring. I mean, does it inspire someone? Is it for the building up of someone or tearing down? Because Ephesians tells us this, that we should be willing to build one another up, not tear each other down. And so, and so you walk through that. And so the word that I'm about ready to say, the things that I'm about ready to say, is it inspiring? And then the end is this, is it really necessary? I mean, is it really necessary that I tell them this? Is it really necessary that I give them advice even when they're not asking for advice, right? I mean, you know this, right? If, if you give advice to someone that's not asking for advice, it always comes across as criticism. It always comes across as an attack. And so, so the end is this. Are the words that I'm about ready to say, are they really necessary? And the K is this. Is it kind? In other words, the writer of Ephesians would say this, that we need to learn to speak the truth, yes, but we need to learn to speak the truth in love. In other words, the words that we use should be kind. And so the first thing that you look at and the first question that you and I look at is this issue, are my words a hazard? Are they helpful? Are they a hazard to my friends? Are they a hazard to my spouse? Are they a hazard to my children? Or are they helpful? The second question is this, when we look at our words is this, are my words honest? Are my words honest? Not only are they a hazard, but are my words honest? And a lot of times, it just sounds so good, and we like to say that, you know what? Honesty is always what? Honesty is the best policy. But many times in practice, it works out differently than that. In other words, we always seem to have a really good reason why, why now is not the right time to be honest. And so we'll say, you know what? Now's not the right time to be honest, and I'll just... I'll wait and tell them later. But the only problem is, is if they find out the truth before you tell them later. And a lot of people will use excuse, excuses like, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, if, if I tell them the truth, they, they may blow up and they, they may get mad at me. But Proverbs 28, 23 says this, in the end, and listen, in my study Bible, that, that phrase, in the end, is like circled and, and asterisked and highlighted. Because not at the start, and this is just so important for this discussion, but in the end, people appreciate honest criticism far more than flattery. In other words, when, when we come into a relationship, in the end, that there's something about this issue of truth, there's something about working through conflict, that in the end, people will appreciate honest criticism, that you love them and you, they know that the, you have their best interests at heart. But the opposite is always true. Whenever we hold back truth, it always causes problems in, in relationships. It causes problems in life. 
And, and why do we do that? We do that because many times, you know, we build this false belief in our life. And we think, you know what, if, if I just hold back the truth, I'll reduce conflict in, 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 in our relationship. I'll, I'll avoid conflict in our relationship that I don't want to make waves. I don't want to cause problems. I don't want to rock the boat. But the Bible tells us this, that the opposite is true. In relationships, when we hold back the truth because we don't want to cause problems, in reality, what we do, we cause problems and we cause mistrust. Hmm. Dishonesty destroys relationships. Listen, let me tell you something. Trust is the glue that holds all relationships together. Trust is the glue that holds every relationship together, whether it's in marriage, whether it's friends, whether it's a relationship with God, whether it's a relationship with an organ. Trust is the glue that holds every relationship together. And this issue of dishonesty, this dishonesty destroys truth. It destroys relationships. And then all of a sudden, what happens is, 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 is bitterness begins to rise. Resentfulness begins to, to, to rise. People begin to develop hidden agendas, and, and, uh, and you have hurt feelings and, and that you're like stuffing and like you're holding down. And, and then you have trouble trusting people, and then relationships begin to, to suffer. And so what the writer of Proverbs says is this is dishonesty is really showing a lack of love to the, towards the other person. Uh, Proverbs 26, 28 says this, a lying tongue hates and hates its victims. I mean, it's pretty strong words, right? That a lying tongue, whatever the excuse for not telling the truth, whatever the reason is, the scripture says this, that that a lying tongue is not an act of love. That a lying tongue hates its victory, uh, its victims, and flattering words can cause destruction. And Proverbs deals with a lack of dishonesty, of lying and deceit, and, and exaggeration. Exaggeration. They're all in the. They're all in the same camp. We just got to understand that exaggeration is always a form of lying. It's someone that is so insecure that they just kind of. They just kind of exaggerate everything. They kind of exaggerate their stories. They exaggerate their experiences because they're trying to, they're trying to build themselves up. You ever, you ever been around that person? You ever been around that, that name dropper? You know, that person that's always dropping names, who they've been with, who they've known, who they've talked to. And, and, and then all of a sudden you kind of get to the point you just kind of feel so sorry for them because you're like, man, why are you so insure, insecure that you've got to build yourself up like that? I mean, yep, I don't know about you, but I, I just... It just, but I don't like name droppers, right? It was like I was telling John Elway on the cell phone just yesterday. <laughs> I don't like name droppers. I mean, <laughs> that's a joke, by the way. And so, but, but, <laughs> but a form of dishonesty is just a failure to be frank with people. And this is where you don't tell people the truth or you don't tell people all of the truth. In other words, you don't lie to people that you love and you're willing. Listen, you're willing. We, we have something that we talk about, about this issue of telling the truth and this issue of confronting and this issue of, of, of just, just honest criticism. When there's a problem in the relationship, it's being willing to tell the last 10%. You ever notice that in a relationship? You ever notice in a relationship that you're having difficulty in a relationship and you've got to confront someone and you get almost all the way there with, with what you want to tell them? but you kind of withhold the last 10% because it may just get way too awkward and you, you, you got it headed the way you want it headed and so you just don't. And so this, this issue of truth is being willing to go the whole 100%. It's being willing to tell the last 10% to tell people and say, you know what, this, this hurts me. 
There's going to be an awkward conversation. This hurts me to tell you this. And guess what? It may even hurt you to hear me say this. But you know what? And I, I just got to say it. I, I just got to tell the last 10%. Listen, let me tell you something. Intimacy in relationships, what the Bible tells us, intimacy is a result of truth. Truth is always the result in conflict. In other words, in relationships, many times in relationships, you have to go through conflict in relationships in order to have intimacy. Too many people just settle for living superficial lives with superficial relationships around them because every time they start to press in and every time they start to really deal with the issue or deal with the conflict, all of a sudden someone pulls back, someone pushes back and says, hey, it's really no big deal, let's just don't talk about it. And so the alternative to to being truthful and honest in relationships is, you know what, just a superficial relationship, just to where you begin to play games, to where you say one thing, but you really like mean the other, to where you're, you're upset, but you'll never say why. In other words, they know you're mad, they know you're upset, but every time they ask, you say, no, I'm fine, and, but the other person knows you are, and you, you never say the hard stuff. You never say, you know what, we just got a problem. We never come to that place to where we, where, where we don't hold back the truth because we're so worried it will cause problems. But superficial relationships is no place to live. And, and guess what? That's why the, the writer of Proverbs says that words have the power of life and death. And, and your words can give life to a relationship or it can give death to a relationship. And whenever you decide to live superficial lives with those around you, I'm just telling you the relationship is dying a slow death. And we need to learn to confront. And we need to learn to confront and do it biblically. We need to learn the difference between a person and a problem. We need to learn the difference between you blew it and I don't like you. See, I was raised in a family. I was raised in a, in a family to where we couldn't separate that out. See, when someone got upset with us, it was just always a personal attack. It was just always about the person. And so we were never able to separate it out and say, understand and it, that it was, it was about the problem. It was about an action. It wasn't about the person. To where we come to the place and we just understand that, that we, can, we can have honest criticism about the action and not about the person in life. Because if we don't, two things will happen. It will either build and build and build in the relationship, and the relationship will finally just blow up. Or the relationship just like dies, dies a slow death. I mean, I, I never forget like 20 years ago or, or uh, probably 15 years ago, I was, I was teaching on, on marriage and, and uh, talking about resolving conflict. And I had this couple come up to me after and, and they says, you know, we just got to tell you, we've been married like 15 years and, 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 you know, they use their names. I won't use their names and uh, you wouldn't know them anyway, but, uh, but I still won't use their names. And so... And so they, they said, you know what, we've been married like 15 years, we just need to let you know you may want to kind of tweak your marriage teaching. We've like never had a fight, ever. And I'm like, really? And they, yeah, yeah, we've agreed on everything. And so one or two things were happening there. Either, either they needed a sermon online, <laughs> or, or what was probably happening was one was so dominant in the relationship that the other person had no voice. The only thing the other person could do was just go along with them and say yes to everything and stuff their feelings and stuff their emotions. That's a superficial relationship. 
effect is that relationship? Died. A slow death. The last question that we have to ask ourselves is this. Is are your words healing? Are your words a hazard? And are your words healing? That's the qualifier. In other words, that you don't use the truth as a club. I mean, you can, be, you can be right and wrong at the same time. You can be exactly right by what you're saying, but you can be wrong by how you're saying it. Proverbs 12, 18 says this. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. In other words, the wise person, there's space in between the action and the reaction. Because if we just, if we say what we're thinking, if we say our immediate reaction, many times it's when we get those sarcastic cutting remarks that everybody knows who's upset with what. And so words can heal or words can, can hurt. And so you can either be healed by someone else's words or you can be hurt by someone else's words. And sometimes, listen, sometimes it's the thoughtless things that we say to the people that we really love the most, that there really wasn't any space in between the action and the reaction. And have you ever, has ever someone said some hurtful words to you and you, you kind of confronted them with that and said, ah, that was just so hurtful. And all of a sudden they used the excuse and they said, well, you know what, you know, that's just how I am. I just kind of say what I feel. I just always just kind of, I just speak my mind. I, or they say, I'm stressed, I'm tired, I've had a bad day. I didn't really mean it. That's just how I was raised. That's just my national heritage. That's just how I am. And you know what the Bible says about all those? They're all excuses. In fact, as the Bible says that only a fool says those things. That a person learns to speak the truth and love. That's why Proverbs 15, 4 says, gentle words are a tree of life and a deceitful tongue. Man, crushes. Crushes a person's spirit. And that's why there can be superficial relationships. That's why relationships can be just, just be flatlined. Because at some point, someone's spirit was just crushed to the point that they just really wanted to just withdraw. And so the, the Bible says the tongue, the mouth can give life and death. And when you look at Scripture, you realize that goodness and graciousness in Scripture goes together. That the good person is a, is a gracious person. And when you, when you confront, you care enough to confront. And you confront in such a way that you want the best for that individual. I mean, we've talked about it here at Fellowship of the Rockies, but one of the greatest questions you and I can ask when we're confronting someone, when someone has hurt us or disappointed us, is to look at, at them and say, help me understand. Help me to understand why you did that. Help, what was going on in your life? Why, why did you say that? Why did you do that? Help me to, just help me to understand. Just have language like that. Proverbs 12, 25 says, worry weighs a person down. And an encouraging word, a helpful word, cheers a person up. I think all of us would agree with that. A work of encouragement just lifts us up. In other words, that we need to learn to encourage people. We need to learn to cut some people at some slack. I, I, I'm willing to bet that, that none of us walked in this worship service this morning and said, you know what? The one thing I do not need anymore is encouragement. I've just had way too much encouragement this week, right? Fact is, most of us are saying, you know what? I could use a little bit more of that because I've had quite the opposite this last week. And so we need to learn to encourage people. We need to learn to think before we speak. We need to understand that our words can be healing or they can be helpful. And the best way, I'm just telling you, the best way to guard your mouth, to guard your tongue, in the words that you speak, 
is just to make a commitment. So, you know what? I'm just not going to talk like that. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honestly try to think before I speak because God has given us a wonderful gift called communication. And he's given us his gift so that we can encourage one another, we can support one another, we can, we can resolve conflict with one another, we can, we can accept Christ, we can witness about Christ, we can tell other people about God, uh, we, we, can, we can praise him. I mean, he's given us this wonderful gift. And so let's, let's just be clear. This, listen, this message about your tongue is not about really working harder and trying harder to control your tongue. Because James, James tells us this. James tells us that none of us can, can bridle the tongue. None of us can control the tongue. This message is not, about, is not about you trying harder to control the tongue. This message is more about your heart. Yeah, we're talking about your words, but this message is way more about, about just your mouth and your tongue. It is about your heart. To where when you allow God to change your heart, what Jesus tells us is that when God changes your heart, it changes your words. It changes your tongue. That God will change your heart and he changes your tongue. Because the reason that people brag and the reason that people exaggerate, the reason that people lie is because they don't understand who they are in Christ. They don't understand the security that they have in him. And Jesus said this, and Jesus said in Matthew 15, 18, but the words you speak come from the heart. This is what defiles you. When God changes your heart and you know who you are in Christ, your words change. You don't have to win every argument. You don't have to amp up and power your words up and use threatening words. You don't have to control people or manipulate people or push people down. You don't have to do any of that because, because you know who you are in Christ and you know that you have security in him and he has a plan for your life. Listen, what the Bible says is when our heart changes, our words begin to change. So the question is this morning for us, the three questions, are your words a, a hazard and are your words honest and are your words healing to the relationships around you? Would you bow your heads with me and, and close your eyes? With your heads bowed and, and eyes closed, let me just, let me just ask you a question. Uh, and the only reason we ask for heads bowed and eyes closed is because we're, we're just so easily distracted uh, in our society and in our culture. Well, let me just ask you a question. What is your next step? What is God saying to you as a result of this message? Maybe more importantly, how, how, does, how, does, God want you to how does God want you to respond? Are your words, are your words a hazard? Are your words healing? Are the words that you've used this last week, are, are they honest? Maybe some of you, maybe you just have, need to have some conversations with some individuals. And say, so, you know what, we, we, just, we just need to talk. And we both know that we have some conflict. We both know that we need to resolve some things. And we just need to talk through some things. Maybe you've never come to the place to where you've started a relationship with God. And, and you may say, you know what, I, I don't even know how to start that. I don't even know how to pray. It doesn't take many words at all. It's just like two words. It's really like, just like one word. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, I know that I'm a sinner. 
Yes, I know that I'm separated from you, and I ask that you come into my life, forgive me my sins, and give me the gift of eternal life. I don't know what God has for you, but I know this. He has a next step for every one of us. And would you just be willing to take that next step? Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know what, I just need someone to pray for me. I'm carrying a burden, I'm carrying a prayer request, and, and I need somebody to pray for me. Well, just in a few minutes after I pray, we're going to stand. And when we stand, just real quickly, as you stand up after I pray, would you just step out, begin making your way down to the front. Uh, you don't have to walk along. We'll have people walking with you, whether your prayer request is over a medical issue, a financial issue, a relational issue. Maybe you want to pray for someone else. That's okay, too. We'd love to encourage you. We'd love to pray for you today. So if you need prayer after I pray, as we stand, you make your way down to the front. Father, we thank you for today. Father, we thank you for your love, and we thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you for the, just the power of your word. And, Father, we ask that you just draw us closely to you. And, that, Father, today, that we'd just, be, we'd just be willing to respond to you. And that burdens would be lifted, prayers would be answered, people just find encouragement people find comfort and support father we just love you for we ask these things in jesus name amen